0: Father in heaven, we come again just grateful, Father, for the peace that we have to study now. Father, it is not like this all over the world, and the time that we have in peace, Lord, help us to use it in a proper manner, to truly prepare to demonstrate your character to a dying person. We love you, Father. We beg of you to teach us to love you more than anything else in this world. We pray this in the name of Jesus and claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. You have your Bible. We're gonna open to Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And we're going to begin at verse number one. Now, Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11 and verse one carries over from Revelation chapter 10. And in Revelation chapter 10, what did we talk about this morning? Tell me just a little bit, just a tad bit of what we talked about this morning in Revelation chapter 10. Okay. All right. So Jesus is that angel that comes down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And we said the only entity that comes in a cloud in all of scripture, and you haven't looked at all the scripture to know if I'm telling you the truth or not. So you're going to have to look that up. And all the scripture, the only entity that comes in a cloud is divinity. That is the only entity that goes and arrives in a cloud or shows up in a cloud. Divinity is the only. Then we said a cloud and a rainbow together, equals what? A covenant. And we said that the face shown as the sun, which represented the enduringness, the everlastingness of this person that is showing up. And then we said that his feet were as pillars of fire. And what did that represent? Pillars of fire. He leads the way, his guidance. If you look at the children of Israel on their way out of Egypt, there's a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And that cloud represents the presence of God. So we see this angel coming down, establishing a covenant. And before we read Revelation 11, verse 1, let's go back a little bit to verse 7. Revelation 10, verse 7. Revelation 10 and verse 7. And we're just going to read and then read into Revelation 11, verse 1. Revelation 10 and verse 7, the Bible says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, When he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared unto his servants the prophets. Now, we know, Amos 3, verse 7, we said this on Friday night, that surely the Lord God will do what? Nothing unless he reveals his secrets unto his servants the what? So the Lord says here in Revelation 10, verse 7, that the mystery that was declared by the prophets... What mystery is declared by the prophets? I'm going to pose that question. We're going to answer that question in our last session. What is this mystery? For in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound. Go to Revelation 11. Look at verse 15. Revelation 11, and we're looking at verse 15. So we just looked at Revelation 10, verse 7. Now we're looking at Revelation 11, verse 15. And notice what the Bible says in Revelation 11, verse 10. The Bible says, and the seventh angel did what? Wait a second now. Revelation 10, verse 7 says something is supposed to happen when the seventh trumpet begins to sound. What is supposed to happen? The mystery is what? Finish. The mystery is supposed to be finished when the seventh trumpet begins to sound. Revelation 11, 15 says the seventh trumpet sounds and what is stated once the seventh trumpet sounds. Notice what the Bible says here again. The seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign. How long? All right. So let's get this thought in our mind. Let's lock it in before we move to our to the next uh, to key point for today. In Revelation ten verse seven, it says, The mystery of God will be finished when the seventh trumpet begins to sound. Revelation eleven fifteen says, the trumpet sounds and declares something that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. So somewhere in between ten verse seven and eleven fifteen is where we are. Are you following me? All right. Eleven verse one. Revelation 11 and verse 1, the Bible says, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar in them that worship therein. Who is being measured? Who is being measured? God's people. OK, because it's measuring those who are in the temple is measuring the church. All right. So here we clearly see that a judgment or an investigation is taking place of the people of God. That has continued for Revelation 10. Notice what else the Bible says, verse two, but the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread under foot. How long? How long? Forty-two months. Now, if you're doing any uh, prophetic mathematical equations, a Jewish month is 30 days. There are 30 days in a Jewish month. So on your paper somewhere, you can write it out, 42 times 30. 42 times 30. Because we're going to convert these days into years. So it told them, do not measure the court. Leave that for the Gentiles. But it's going to tread the city and the people for 40 and two months. How many days do you have there? 1260 days. Now, according to scripture, a day equals a year. Where do we find that in scripture? A day equals a year. In the Bible, I hear I heard I heard something. Ezekiel, you're in the right book. Four, that was real close, real close. Ezekiel four, verse six, numbers 1434. Both those passages tell you that a day in Bible prophecy equals a year. So for 42 months, this power will tread upon the city. And the people, okay, so much up as hell. All right, go with me back. Now we're going to go back to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Remember, keep this locked in your mind. Leave out the court. Measure it not. It's given to the Gentiles to so tread upon them for 42 months. I want you to go to Matthew 23. And in Matthew 23, we're going to begin at verse 33, I believe. Matthew 23 and verse 33, exactly right. And we're going to eavesdrop on Jesus. You ever eavesdrop on somebody before? Well, we're going to eavesdrop on a conversation that Jesus has having, And he has some scathing words that to say to the leadership of Israel. It says, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, How can ye escape the damnation of hell? Does that sound like Jesus' language? That's some serious language, but he's saying it. Then he says, continuing on, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias of, of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Watch verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together? even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you what? Your house is left unto you desolate. Lock that thought in your mind. Your house. He didn't say my house. He said your house. Now, did Jerusalem or did Israel built this temple for themselves. This temple, uh, Solomon's temple, Herod's temple. Was it built for themselves? Who did they build it for? They built it for God. Now remember, we read about Israel this morning and how when they initially made a sanctuary, it was supposed to be so that God could be in the midst of them. Is that right? When they replied, God said, I'm moving out. When God moves out, beloved, there's only desolation left. Now watch. Same chapter. Actually, chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. Remember now, he said, I would gather you as a, a mother c- gathers her hands under her wings, but you would not. You wouldn't let me protect you. Notice what he says. verse 20, Verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him to show him the building of the temple. Now, when you read that first sentence there, do you realize that Jesus never went into the temple again? Jesus never went back into the temple. Jesus literally left the temple. Therefore, that temple was left desolate. We see something similar in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 22 to 24. The presence of God is in the most holy place. The presence lifts up, leaves the temple, and goes on the east side of the temple on top of the mountain. And the next thing you know, the temple of Jerusalem is completely destroyed. In Matthew 24, Jesus leaves out of the temple, and he goes, sits on a mountain. Do you know the name of the mountain that he goes to sit on? It's the Mount of Olives. Do you know what direction that mountain is at? It's on the east side. In Ezekiel, he moves from the temple, leaves, and goes on the east mountain. Now he does it in real human form. lifts up, walks out, and goes to the east mountain. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Look carefully now at these verses. Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 41. And this is, what is leading us into our study for this afternoon. Luke 19, beginning at verse 41. And notice what the Bible says here. Luke 19, beginning at verse 41.
1: Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. What
0: is, what is Jesus doing? He, He's weeping. He, over what? The city. Go ahead.
1: Saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this year... In this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you, and close you on every side. And level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you in one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation.
0: Wait a second. Let me ask the question. Listen carefully to the question. And remember, the thing that hath been is that which shall be. Jesus said, what was his reason for why the temple would be left thrown to the ground and the children destroyed and taken captive? What was his reason? Because they what? Because they did not know the time of their visitation. Now, let me ask you a question. I need you to give me a very precise answer. What?" Scripture tells us the time that Jesus was supposed to visit the Jewish nation. That's right. What did you say? the The prophecy and what within that prophecy pinpoints the time of their their visitation. The four hundred and ninety day prophecy, and there's a specific part in the four hundred and ninety day prophecy that pinpoints the very arrival of the Messiah to visit the people. What part of that prophecy? That last week, those seven years, they did not know the time. From 27 A.D. to 34 A.D., there was their visitation time, and here Jesus was knocking, and nobody's listening. They did not know the time. Therefore, because they did not know the time, their house was left unto them desolate. Keep that thought in mind. Go to Revelation chapter 3 now. Revelation chapter 3. You're going to notice that everything that happened with the Jewish nation seems to reflect in the experience of the remnant. Everything. It just seems to reflect the experience. Revelation chapter 3. And notice what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 and beginning at verse 14. unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, of the Laodiceans write, These things say the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, he says a lot of things about Laodicea. He says a lot of things about their condition. But then jump down to verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and what? Now, let me ask you a question. If I'm knocking at my own door. Would that make sense? I have a key to my house. Is that right? So if I go to my house, I don't need to knock. I walk right in or I use a key, I get into my own house. But who normally knocks at your door? Visitors. Do you understand that? A visitor could be a friend or a stranger. A visitor is someone that knocks at the door. Here, the Laodicean church is receiving a visitation. Are you following Just like the Jewish nation received a visitation and they did not know the time of it. Therefore, they missed the blessing that God intended for them to have. Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 21, going back now to Luke chapter 21. We're saying all this, setting a precedent before we get into the two witnesses. Luke chapter 21, and we're beginning at verse 20. Luke 21 and beginning at verse 20. And I have another reader. Another reader? All right. Begin at verse 20.
2: And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries enter there into. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Keep going. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people.
0: Upon this people, what people is this? I hear one person. What people are these? This is not the world, beloved. This is the Jewish nation. Okay? Next verse. Last verse we're going to read for this second.
2: And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles unto the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled.
0: Wait. Keep your finger there. Go to Revelation chapter 11. I want you to make the mental connection yourself. I'm going to read it. You make the connection yourself in Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. Look carefully now at verse number 2. We're studying together. Revelation 11 verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. But the cord which is without the temple leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto who? The Gentiles and the holy city. Shall they tread underfoot how long? Forty and two months. Could, Could we safely say that the forty and two months are the times of the Gentiles Jesus referred to in Luke chapter 21, verse 24? Are you hearing me? So here, Jesus says, look, the reason what's going to happen to you, you're going to be led into captivity. Your children are going to be dispersed. Persecution is coming upon you until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And then we read in Revelation 11, verse 2, that the times of the Gentiles is 42 months, i.e., 1260 years. Everybody follow so far? Follow? Got it? Alright, let's go a little further. Revelation 11, we're still in Revelation 11. So, this Gentile power is persecuting, prosecuting God's people for 1,260 years. Verse 3 says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,200 and score days. What's the day in Bible prophecy? A year. So, how long are these two witnesses prophesying? 1,260 years. So the these prophets are prophesying in sackcloth, but there's persecution still taking place on God's people. Let's press forward. Verse 4. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. What is that? Two olive trees, two candlesticks standing before the God of the whole earth. Does anybody know? Go to, go to first kings chapter 6 first kings chapter 6 two olive trees two candlesticks what is this about first kings chapter 6 good answer <laughs> that's a, hey are you reading the paper first kings chapter 6 verse 23. I believe it's verse 23 yes it is 1st Kings 6 23 notice what the Bible says and within the oracle he made two cherubims of olive tree each ten cubits high okay this is Solomon's temple Solomon's temple the cherubims in Solomon's temple were made out of what no nobody, nobody got that What were the the cherubims made out of? Olive trees. Got it? All right. So the cherubims were made out of olive trees. Cherubims. Where did the cherubims stand at? Where's where's their location in the sanctuary? In the most holy place. All right? Let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4. Now, you have any more verses I gave you on your handouts that you can go back and check out and read to make sure that I'm not lying or things like this. Zechariah chapter 4, look at verse 1. Zechariah 4, beginning at verse 1. And the angel and the angel that talked with me again and waked me as a man that waketh out of sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick of gold with a bowl on the top of it, and his seven lamps thereof, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are on the top thereof. And the two, verse three, and the two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side of the bowl. You guys see that? Jump down to verse number 12. Verse number 12. And I answered again and said unto him, what be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered and he answered me and said, knowest thou not what these be? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two what? Anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So who are the two anointed ones? The cherubims. The cherubims are two anointed ones that stand at the ready hand of God to execute whatever God asks him to do. But let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. We're still in Revelation. still in Revelation chapter 11. All right, verse 4 says, These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Watch what they do. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. I want you to go to the book of 2 Kings. I believe it's 2 Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings chapter 1. This is it, 2 Kings chapter 1. And I'm going to have a reader for us this time. 2 Kings chapter 1. You ready for me, sister? And we're going to start at verse... Just go ahead and start at verse...
3: 3. Go ahead. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that ye go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shall surely die. And Elijah departed.
0: Okay, now Elijah is speaking on whose behalf? On God's behalf. He is expressing the will of God through his mouth to these people. All right? Watch what happens. Go ahead.
3: And when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are you now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us, And said to us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, thou shalt not come down upon that bed.
0: All right, so let's cut to the chase here. So the king says, Look, you go, what did he look like? Well, he looked like he had that mantle on, and he, oh, that's Elijah. I want y'all to go get him. Jump down to verse number nine now, says.
3: Then the king sent unto him a captain of 50 with his 50, and he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of a hill, and he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, If I be a man of God, Then let fire come down from heaven, and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven, and consumed him and his fifty. Again also he sent unto him another captain of fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. And Elisha answered and said unto them, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee in thy 50. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him in his 50.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. Isn't that serious?
3: That's serious.
0: That's serious. Hey, if hey, man of God, you come down here. Well, if I'm a man of God, fire come down. and sw- Man, I would not want to mess with that brother. Even if I heard a half story, I'd be like, look, I'm not about. By- you go get him. Yeah. You go. I'm not bothering him. But the men were coming to execute judgment on Elijah because Elijah was proclaiming what? The word of God. God's judgment on the king's behavior. Now watch the last group here. Go ahead.
3: And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell down on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven, and burned up the two captains of the former fifties, their fifties. Therefore let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him, be not afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him to the king.
0: All right, that's good. So here's the first point. When somebody tried to hurt the messenger of God, God protected his messenger by fire. Revelation chapter 11. Let's keep reading. Revelation chapter 11. Notice what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 11. And verse 6. It says, these have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy." Uh, what story comes to your mind when you start reading that? That there, it rained not in the days of their prophecy. Elijah again. Elijah. Now, if you go to First Kings chapter seventeen, you're very close there already. First Kings chapter seventeen. Notice how the story begins in First Kings chapter seventeen. First Kings seventeen, and beginning at verse one, the Bible says, "And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab." As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, before whom I stand, you guys get that? There's only two two persons in all the scripture that say before whom I stand, Elijah and Elisha. So before whom I stand, watch what he says, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my what? Thy word, my word. Now, whose word? Is it Elijah's word alone he's depending upon? No, God's word. All right. So, again, these are God's words, and this has power to shut up heaven that it rain not in the days of this prophecy. All right, let's keep going. Revelation 11. Going back here. Revelation 11. In verse, the second half of the verse, it says, And have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smart the earth with all plagues as often as they will." Who is that talking about? It's talking about God's word. But what character in the Bible talks about water turning into blood? What character comes to mind? Moses. All right. Now think with me. Think with me now. We read earlier in the day about someone coming down from the mountain, and his face was glowing. You guys remember that?
4: Moses.
0: Well, Moses' face was glowing, and who else' face glows? God's face glows. Good answers? Good answer. Jesus. Matthew seventeen. Keep your hand in Revelation chapter eleven. Matthew seventeen. Matthew seventeen. Watch, watch carefully. Watch carefully. Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to begin at verse number two. No, verse 1. And I'll have another reader it on to, yes, we pass that down to my sister.
1: And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart. Bring
0: them up into a high mountain. Go ahead.
1: And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Mm-hmm. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him.
0: All right, one moment. Moses and who? Elias, that word Elias is actually the Greek form of Elijah. So Moses and Elijah appear unto Jesus as he's standing with his face shining on a mountain. There are two witnesses in Matthew 17. Now Matthew, Revelation chapter 10 and Revelation chapter 11 are together, beloved. Remember now this angel comes down with his face shining as the sun and the next thing you see are two witnesses Two anointed ones standing before the God of the whole earth. It looks like it's Elijah. It looks like it's Moses. It looks like it's these angels. But these are all symbols of people that depend upon the word of God. Everything is dependent upon the word of God. So my sister gave an answer. She said that these witnesses or these two uh, anointed ones or whoever they are, are symbolic of conduits by which the word of God comes to the people. How many people see that? You guys see that? If you got it, we can move on. If you don't got it, I have to go to at least 10 more verses. You got it? All right. Over here, you got it? Okay. So this is the word of God. Lock it in because now we're about to move. Okay, let's go a little further. We're still in Revelation 11. So you understand it's the word of God. Now watch what the Bible says in verse 7. Now how long are these two witnesses supposed to prophesy? 1,260 years. Is that right? 1,260 years. Notice what the Bible says now in verse number 7. And when they have finished, the Greek actually says, and when they are finishing their testimony. All right? So when they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Are you guys ready? All right. So this beast comes out of the bottomless pit. The Greek word for bottomless pit, and I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm telling you these words because I went on Eastward. You guys know how to do that? You download Eastward, and then you push King James Plus, and then there's the little Greek word there, and it pulls up, and it tells you what that word means. All right? It's real easy. So I'm not a Greek scholar. I didn't even get a good grade in Greek. All right? So that word says abuscos. A-B-U-S-O-S, abusos. That's the word that is used to describe bottomless pits. Abusos. All right. Let's see where we're going to go here. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, keep your finger on Revelation chapter 11. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and beginning at verse 1. The Bible says, "In the beginning was the what?" <laughs> no, no, in the beginning was the Word. That's John chapter one, Amen. So, but Genesis chapter one verse one says, "In the beginning was." In the in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and. All right, so the Greek word that you know they have a Greek Old Testament. It's called the Septuagint. The Greek word for without form and void, guess what that word is? That's right, abusos. The same word, abusos. Keep that thought in mind. So now creation, you know, day one, what was on day one? Are you sure? All right, day one is light. What's day two? Uh Uh-oh, you all had to think about that? All right, firmament, what's day three? All right, dry lands appear. The separation, listen to what it says. The separation of earth and sea. Nice. You, you, you know Genesis, the book of Genesis is a prophetic book all by itself. Uh, we'll get into that later. All right, day four, what is it? Day five. All right, day six. All right, and day seven, of course, you know was what? Sabbath is rest. Now, I want you to think for a few moments. Here we go. In the beginning was abusos. Abusos without form and void. It has no order. So what had to take place in, for, in order for order to come? That's right. God spoke it, right? So he had to speak the word. Listen Listen carefully. He had to speak the word in order for order to to come about. Are you following? He had to speak the word in order for order to come about. Let's go a little further in our thoughts. I'm gonna pass that. I'm gonna pass this. I'm gonna pass this. This is a, a picture of rebellion. You see the fall from heaven, you see Adam and Eve being thrown out of the garden. You see the, the Tower of Babel. This here, this is the declaration of, uh, for the French Revolution. And then you see here, this is the artist rendition of the Tower of Babel. And this is actually an, a, a recent artist rendition of the European Union. And then here you see the actual building. She built the European Union's, um, I don't know what you want to call it, the capital, just like the Tower of Babel. You guys see that? We got some crazy people in the world. I mean, they built it just like the Tower of Babel. But there's a reason for this, and you'll see in a few moments why I put it there. 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, Rebellion is as the sin of what? Remember, now we're talking about the rise of rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Hmm. Okay, lock it in. Revelation chapter 11. Notice again, the beast comes out of a bottomless pit. The bottomless pit was out without form and void. What is a beast in Bible prophecy? Are you sure? You sure a kingdom? Everybody sure, right? A beast is a kingdom. A kingdom has to have what? What constitutes a kingdom? Okay, so there's a king or there's a ruler. What does a ruler do? He makes the laws. He makes the rules. He sets the order. You guys following right now? I'm using words intentionally. Intentionally. So the beast, a order, a kingdom rises out of disorder. Chaos. A kingdom arising out of Chaos. You ever heard of the Hegelian dialectic? Ever heard of that? Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. It's when it's when an organization or people intentionally we have a calm. Let's say this church is in a calm. This is normal. Everybody's cool. In order to effect change, you have to create crisis. And after you create crisis, then you can create a synthesis or a supposed solution. I need you guys to think right now. So there's a normality. There's a normality. If I want to make change, I have to create chaos. Once I create the chaos, then I have to synthesize or create a new order. I just want you to think. All right. So Revelation chapter, before we go any further with it. I want somebody to read that. Everyone read this together on the screen. What does it say? Together, together. For. All right, let me read it with you this time. Because it sounded like confusion. It sounded like Babylon here. All right, let's try again. For thousands of years, Satan has been experimenting upon the properties of the human mind, and he has learned to know it well. By his subtle workings in these last days, he is linking the human mind with his own and imbuing it with his what? Thoughts. And he is doing this work in so deceptive a manner that those who accept his guidance know not that they are being led by him at his will. The great deceiver hopes so to confuse the minds of men and women that none but his voice will be heard. Now, if I, if you hear my voice, what are you usually hearing? What 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 comes in that? If you hear my voice, what are you listening to? You're listening to words. Is that right? You know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my what? Voice. So Satan is seeking to confuse the voices so that when you think you're listening to God's voice, you're actually listening to his voice. And he's doing this in a very subtle manner. Here's my question. If he's doing it in a subtle manner and nobody knows that he's doing it, I would want to know what his method is and what he's doing just to make sure that I'm not being talked to by Satan and listening to him and thinking it's God talking to me. Is that right? I don't want to be talked to by Satan and thinking I'm talking to God. I want to know that when God's talking, I'm hearing his voice. That's what I want to know. All right, let's go a little further. I want to show you this video. I think you've seen it before. I want to show it to you. I want you to listen to what he says. This is not a Christian. I believe he's a, a communicator for dead people or something like this, some spiritualist. But I want you to listen to what he says. He says this in January 2010. January 2010, he says these words. Listen carefully to what is stated.
5: For over 30 years, artist, author, and lecturer, Benjamin Krem, has been preparing the way for the biggest event in history, the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, and his group, the Masters of Wisdom. Millions of people have heard his information and wait expectantly for this momentous event. On the 12th of December 2008, Share International Foundation distributed a news release announcing that in the very near future, a large bright star would appear in the sky, visible throughout the planet night and day, a sign of Maitreya's imminent open emergence. The star, the Herald of Maitreya, seen throughout the world, has done its work. At his latest public lecture at Friends House, Euston Road, London, on the 14th of January, 2010, Benjamin Krem made the following announcement.
6: Maitreya recently gave his first interview in America. The first of many such interviews. He followed in Japan and Europe and so on. The master of all the masters. For the first time in human history himself, physically, came on a well-known television program in a major uh, network in the United States, but under God as mantra, just as one of us. And he gave that interview, it would be watched probably by many millions, and that's the first time such an event has ever happened. Can you imagine what it means? For the first time in human history, the world teacher not only can come himself, but can speak to the world, through the live television channels of the world, and address all humanity. His name is Maitreya, but he will not use that name until enough people are responding for him and what is called the Day of Declaration is, has arrived. Then Maitreya will come before the world on the Day of Declaration and acknowledge his true status. We can only afford one world. That world has to be one in fact and indeed, and at peace and the only way to get peace is to create justice so the only way to get justice is to have trust how do you get trust there will never be justice if there's no trust so the only way to create trust is to share the resources of the world this is the year of the tiger and the year of the tiger according to my prayer is a year in which great things take place. Great, big things take place. The tiger brings about big change. And humanity will wake up in this year and from now on. And will demand of its governments changes which up to now It thought it would never get. And the world will undergo. Quickly. Change certain motion. In this coming year. By. Humanity itself.
0: What's that about? There's a couple of things I paid attention to. When he was talking. He said humanity will demand. Of its. Governments. You hear that? I said to myself, the manager of the man of his governments. January two thousand eleven was the first thing well, the first thing I paid attention to, one of the first I was doing a meeting and I was doing a series on this particular point, and I began to talk about revolution. And the first thing that started in January two thousand eleven were the revolutions in the Middle East. You guys did you guys know that? That was two thousand eleven. Demanding of his governments. But the year before, Greece has already already started to rebel and everybody else started to, to rise up against his governments. But they're demanding of their governments and they're dying for it. Now, my question is, have we seen this before? That's that's my question. Have we seen it before? And then are there any indicators to let me know that I'm not just making up something, that I'm not listening to some weird psycho guy, right? But that it's actually biblical. I wanted to find out. So what I did, I began to look at the French Revolution. The French Revolution is a microcosm. It's a microcosm, and we're going to do a lot of reading. It is a microcosm of end-time events. History repeats itself. History repeats itself, and I'm going to show you right here from history and from the Bible. So I'm going to need a full-time reader. Where's the microphone? Who has it? All right. Who will be the full-time reader? Anybody over there? All right, full-time reader, you're gonna have to read off the screen here. We're gonna look at the French Revolution. Remember now, the beast ascends out of the bottomless pit. There's an order that is being developed. There's an order that's being developed, the French Revolution. Now, here on the screen, you'll see there are several causes for the French Revolution. I want you to look at this history and tell me if any of these things in history are taking place right now. Take for instance, but before we get to the ones on the screen, I have one here that I put myself. There's a major cause for the French Revolution. It is because Protestants were killed in massive numbers. True Christians were killed in massive numbers. Uh, notice what this says here. My sister, are you ready to read for us?
4: Who were the Huguenots? Since the since Huguenots of France were in large part artesians, craftsmen, and professional people, they were usually well-received in the countries to which they fled for refuge when religious discrimination or overt persecution caused them to leave France. Most of them went initially to Germany, the Netherlands, and England, although some found their way eventually to places as remote as South Africa. Considerable numbers of Huguenots migrated to British British North America, especially to the Carolinas, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and New York. Their character and talents in the arts, sciences, and industry were such that they are generally felt to have been a substantial loss to the French society from which they had been forced to withdraw and a corresponding gain to the communities and nations to which they settled.
0: All right, so the Huguenots were in France, right? And as they're in France, they're being persecuted for their faith, so the people say, hey, we can't live here. Time to run, time to hide, because there's too many of us getting smashed. And I want you to notice the exodus. We're going to read another, another one here. Go ahead and read this.
4: The exodus of the Huguenots from France created a brain drain. What did it
0: create? A brain drain. This is a historical source that I'm copying from here. It created a brain drain. So Christians, as the salt of the earth, are the mainstay of a society. What exhausts a nation? Righteousness exhausts the nation. So as Christians practice righteousness in their business, in their regular lives, in their ministries, the nation is uplifted. But if Christians are being persecuted and chased away, there's nothing to keep the nation up and strong. You follow what I'm saying? And this is tangibly experienced. You can see it in history. All right, go ahead.
4: As many Huguenots had occupied important places in society from which the kingdom did not fully recover for years, the French crown's refusal to allow non-Catholics to settle in New France may help to explain that colony's slow rate of population growth compared to that of the neighboring British colonies, which opened settlement to religious dissenters. All right,
0: let's go a little further. I'm going to pass these ones. i want to show you a map. See this map? On this map, you see all these green dots here? These are all Protestant churches in the country of France. Protestant. These are all Protestant countries. In the country of Protestant churches, in the country of France. Notice the next slide. See this? Ten thousand go to America. Ten thousand to Ireland. Forty to fifty thousand to England. Fifty to sixty thousand to Dutch Republic. Two thousand in Europe. Twenty-five to thirty thousand to Germany. Twenty-two thousand. You're talking about a massive exodus of Christians from the country of France, and it's making that nation weak. Alright? We're looking at history for a reason. Watch. So now, of course, Christians are killed. Notice the three other points here. French, The French sent troops and supplies to aid American revolutionaries. So they sent money and they sent supplies to other countries to help them have their freedom. Does that sound familiar? I wonder, does the United States right now send armies over to other countries to help the revolutionaries supposedly get rid of their dictators. Yes. What about financial difficulties? Is America having financial difficulties? Yes. What about uh having weak leadership in America? I'm not commenting on that. I can go to jail, right? I mean, Weak, weak leadership, all right? Let's go a little further. Notice the conditions of the times. Look at this. Sister, read this for us.
4: Taxes increased, rent increased. Wait,
0: is that happening right now? Taxes increased, the rent going up? Go ahead, keep reading.
4: Inadequate methods of agriculture. Uh Uh-huh. Prices of goods rose quicker than wages. Is that happening,
0: beloved? Yes, it is. Go ahead.
4: 22% wages, 62% cost of living.
0: So cost of living went up 62%, but wages only went up 22%. You can't keep up with that. This is what's happening in the country of France before the revolution. Go ahead.
4: Monarchy was more a dictatorship.
0: I wonder. How many of you like going to the airport and getting felt on? Nobody likes it, but it's still there. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that. If nobody in America likes it, why is it still there? It's because somebody is dictating, saying you have to do that. Yeah, stop lying, right? What else is, go ahead. Sister.
4: A state general meeting in 1614. All right. France was bankrupt in 1789.
0: France was bankrupt in 1789. At one time, you, you, you may invite me back, I don't know, but if we do anything about money, I'll tell you right now, this country is absolutely a thousand percent bankrupt. I mean, a thousand, we have no money. Everything we're, we're working on right now is a figment of our imagination. And as soon as everybody wakes up to you that we actually have no money, there's going to be a revolution in this country. You see these pictures? There's a picture of, uh, the peasants, and then you have the, the clergy and the noblemen on the back of the peasants. This is an artwork from back in the day. See, so here, the peasants on the ground, and you have the clergy and the noblemen on standing on top of the peasants. This was the mindset of the day, that the top 3% controlled 97% of all the wealth and all the population and all the people. Top 3%. I wonder if that same thing is happening today. Alright, go ahead and reproach it.
4: The agriculture and climatic problems of the 1770s and 1780s led to an important increase in poverty. In some cities in the north, historians have estimated the poor is reaching upwards of 20% of the urban population. Wait a
0: second. In America right now, what do you think the real unemployment rate in America right now is? Yeah, the real unemployment rate is about 23% right now. The real unemployment rate is 23 percent they only account for nine percent ten percent but the real unemployment rate is 23 percent can you imagine this many people without money without jobs you think everybody's just going to sit back and let things go or they're going to say hey that store has food in it i'm going to go get me some." you look like you're driving a nice car let me take your car from you go ahead sister displacement
4: and criminality mainly theft also increased in the growth of groups of Medicants and bandits became a problem. Although nobles, burgoyces, and wealthy landowners saw their revenues affected by the Depression, the hardest hit in this period were the working class and the peasants. Uh, We
0: can't just rich people all the time. Rich people still got money. Rich, rich people, they still got money. It's the common worker, the middle class, and the peasant that's being affected most by the financial crisis we're having in America right now. The things that happened is that which shall be, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing, all right? Keep going.
4: While their tax burden to the state had generally decreased in this period, feudal and signural dues had increased.
0: So again, here are the major problems. Weak leadership, financial problems, The sending money over to other countries to fight wars that we have no business fighting. I mean, they had no business fighting. Then you have the killing of the Christians. Now, you see these top two right here? Age of enlightenment and population divided into three estates. We're not going to focus so much on these three estates per se, but we're going to focus right here on the age of enlightenment. Remember now, the attack of the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit was on what? What was it? It was an attack on the Word. It was an attack on the Word. That's Revelation chapter 11. We're looking at the Word. The Word is righteousness. the same thing. But it's an attack on the Word. Notice what it says. Here's a, a, just a few outlines of the events that took place. Go ahead.
4: June twentieth, seventeen 1789, National Assembly members take the tennis court oath pledging to create a new constitution. You guys
0: know what the tennis court oath is? You familiar with the French Revolution? The tennis court oath was uh, the 97% of the population Uh, was only represented by one vote. The clergy had one vote, and the noblemen had one vote. But the clergy and the noblemen always voted together. And they left the one vote of the peasants to the side. So you know what the peasants said, the the working class? Hey, we're going to have our own constitution. If you guys want to be a part of our government, you come to the tennis court. So they went, and they were at the tennis court, and they made a new constitution on the tennis court. This is history. You need to go back and read it. Go look at some documentaries on YouTube. And the, the tennis court, oh, they made a new constitution. Essentially, this began the process of weakening the leadership or the government of France. All right? Go ahead, read. for right.
4: July 14th, mob of par- 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 Parisian uh-huh. citizens storms the steel prison and confiscates weapons. All right,
0: July 14th. This, now, this is what happened. <laughs> the king was upset at what was happening at the tennis court. So he called the French army to surround Paris. The people in Paris said, hey, wait a second, you're not going to surround our own own place. We're going to go get some weapons. So they went to the Bastille, and there was the governor of of the town in the Bastille. They went in, and they cut the governor's head off. They put it on a stick, and then this became like the the main thing of the French Revolution. When they killed somebody, they put it on the stick and run around with with their heads cut off. And then the people took weapons so that they could fight against the French army. Now, they didn't necessarily fight, but that's what they did. They, and then also in that same time frame, and we'll get to it in a moment, bread cost 50% of the wages of a person for a year. Bread, the skyrocketed. So the women were upset. They were, the women led the French Revolution, I'll tell you the truth. I tell, the women were, they were serious. You'll see in a moment. Go ahead, keep reading.
4: July 20th, rural violence of great fear breaks out. Peasants lash out at feudal lord landlords for several weeks. Uh-huh. Go ahead. August 4th, August decrees release peasants and farmers from feudal contracts.
0: All right, so no more of this. You're the landlord and we're the small people. You know, we're released from this. All right, go ahead.
4: August 26th, declaration of rights of man and the citizen issue.
0: Next.
4: October 5th. Parisian women marched to Versailles in response to food crisis.
0: All right. So the women, there's 20,000 of them. They marched to Versailles. They surround, the Versailles is where the capital was. They marched to the Versailles. They break open the gate. They, The women cut the guards' heads off. The women did. Don't
4: mess with, Don't
0: mess with the women. They cut the, men, the, the guards' heads off. They put on a stick. And then they tried to, to, to chase around Marie Antoinette all around Versailles, until she ran into her husband's uh, chamber and was protected by the king. But you mess with the woman's food, they can't feed their babies, you're going to have a revolution. So men, we don't like fighting that much. No, we'd rather not. But when the women say, go get some food, and you ain't got, you, you're going to go fight too. You're going to obey your wife. And that's what's happening here. The women are upset because food is not on the table. There's a revolution taking place in the country of France. Let's go a little further. I want to jump I want to jump a little further. We don't need to read all these details. Um, June 27th, Louis orders the clergy and nobility to join the third estate. So now, instead of the nobility and the clergy resisting, they now join the third estate. They now are with the common people. August 1788, 50% of a peasant's or urban worker's income went toward the purchase of bread debt. By July 1789, this figure had risen to 80%. Those are some crazy numbers. But I wonder if this world right now is having a food crisis. Just a thought. We're going to pass these. Let me go a little further here. Now, the French Revolution was led by a few men. Um, Let's read this. Go ahead, sister. Read this for us. Watch this.
4: A counter-revolution loyal to church and king was led by the noble and the clergy and supported by staunch Catholic Catholic peasants. Because this counter-revolution threatened the changes of the revolutionaries, the revolutionaries had to resort to more drastic measures than hitherto imagined.
0: All right. So the revolutionaries said, hey, since there's a counter-revolutionary force taking place, we need to do something drastic. I wonder what they did. Pay attention. Go ahead. In the
4: weeks after the execution of the king, the internal and external wars in France continued to grow. Prussian and Austrian forces pushed into the French countryside, and one noted French general even defected to the opposition.
0: All right, so you have wars taking place outside of France. All right, keep reading.
4: Unable to assemble an army out of the disgruntled and protesting peasants, the girondian led National Convention started to panic. In an effort to restore peace and order, the convention created the Committee of Public Safety on what, April 6th. What did
0: they, they create? Committee of Public Safety? I wonder if that sounds familiar. I, I, I'm just curious if this sounds familiar. The Committee of Public Safety? Right. Let's, let's just keep reading. See, well, What does it say that they did? On April 6th, 1792? to maintain order where? Within France and protect the country from what? External threats. So they are to protect within France, and they're going to protect external threats. What's that? Yes. Department of Homeland Security, France. You see the same trend of behavior, the same mindset. Oh, there's a terrorist in t- Well, let's protect inside, then we'll protect outside. So you have home set, Homeland Security. Same mindset. Same principle is already set in place. You guys didn't know. History repeats itself. It just repeats itself over and over and over again. Go ahead. Keep reading for me.
4: The Committee of Public Safety assumed leadership in April 1793. Mm-hmm. As a branch of the National Convention itself, the Committee of Public Safety had broad powers, which included the organization of the nation's defenses, all foreign policy, and the supervision of ministers. And the
0: supervision of ministers. The committee also ordered arrests and trials of counter-revolutionaries and imposed government authority across the nation. So if you spoke up against the revolution, you were thrown in jail. They cut your head off because you were against the government. To preserve the republic, Robespierre and the Committee of Public Safety instituted the Reign of Terror, and they actually named it that. Counter revolutionaries, the Gordons, the priests, nobles, and aristocrats immediately fell under suspicion. Danton, a revolutionary who sought peace with Europe, was executed. Now, this is interesting because Danton and Robespierre worked together to cause the French Revolution. They worked together. And Rochefierre ordered that Danton be killed because Danton sought to make a, a, a league with someone else. The Reps said, no, you can't have that and kill them. Now, these names that I'm saying to you, Danton, Rochefierre, these men are all part of an organization with its intent on replacing the Bible with something else. In fact, I don't have it on the screen. And one day when I do this presentation again, I'm going to put it on the screen. Robespierre believed in what they call the supreme being. Supreme being is code word in the Illuminati and all those other secret organizations for Lucifer. Look it up. And I'm not making it up. Just look it up. The supreme being is code word for Lucifer. Roosevelt had a national day to worship the supreme being. He did it in 1794. Now watch. And here it is. This is uh, from, uh, I got this from A.T. Jones, uh, but he's he's uh, writing from the articles that were created during the French Revolution. It says the French people acknowledge the existence of what? The supreme being. Wait a second. If you look back at history, it says that they don't believe in God. Isn't that right? So who is this supreme being? It says the French people acknowledge the existence of the supreme being and the immortality of the soul. It acknowledges that the worship most worthy of the supreme being is the practice of the duties of men. And this supreme being is not God. beloved. During the terror, during the reign of terror, 17,000 people died as a result of the terror. About fifteen thousand people perished officially, and over a hundred thousand people were detained suspects. What is amazing is that only twelve men—how many men? Twelve men controlled the 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 committee of public safety. Although the committee of Sub- public safety was ultimately controlled by Robespierre Maximilian Maximilian Robespierre. Twelve men in control of the whole government system. Twelve men. And these men are connected to an organization. Watch. Some of some members of the convention, fearing their own lives, ordered the arrest of Rospierre on July 27, 1794. Rospierre was arrested and guillotined the next day. The Sancalots made no attempt to save him. The Sankalots were the people that had joined up on his side. So they killed, now ross is the leader of the revolution. The revolution is so afraid of being killed, they say, hey, let's kill the man that's killing everybody. So they kill him. My sister, go ahead and read.
4: I am weary of hearing people repeat that 12 men established the Christian religion. I will prove that one man may suffice to overthrow it.
0: Who said this? Voltaire. Pierre. Now these are the teachings that are leading to the French Revolution. Um, yeah, we're going to read part of it. go ahead.
4: The constitutional bishop of Paris was brought forward to play the principal part in the most impudent and scandalous farce ever acted in the face of a national representation. He was brought forward in full procession to declare to the convention that the religion which he had taught so many years was in every respect a piece of priestcraft, which had no foundation either in history or sacred truth. Zoned in solemn and explicit terms the existence of deity deity to whose worship he had been consecrated and devoted himself in, in future to the homage of liberty, equality,
0: virtue, and morality. All right, wait a second. So the priest comes forward and says, I'm sorry for teaching you guys these bad things. The Bible is a piece of garbage. The Catholicism is garbage. All of this is garbage. That's what he says. French Revolution. Go ahead. Herbert's.
4: Herbert Herbert Kuh- Kumit and their associates appeared at the bar and declared that God did
0: not exist. you hear that? This is what the men are saying during the French Revolution. God does not exist. So who's the supreme being if God doesn't exist? Go ahead.
4: The fear of God was said to be so far from the beginning of wisdom that it was the beginning of folly. All
0: right. In fact, I'm going to go back. I'm sorry. See right here? It says the Bible was what? Publicly burned. Publicly burned. The sacramental vessels were paraded through the streets on an ass in token of contempt. Uh, a week of ten days instead of seven was established, and death was declared in conspicuous letters posted over burial places as to be an eternal sleep. Now watch this, watch this, keep reading for it here, watch this.
4: But the crowning blasphemy of these orgies of hell, men of degrees, remained to be performed by the comedian Bell. Who is a priest of Illuminism.
0: Priest of Illuminism. Now, this is Uriah Smith out of Daniel Revelation. He calls this comedian a priest of what? Illuminism. Illuminism. He calls him a priest of Illuminism. What does he say? Go ahead.
4: God, if you exist, avenge your injured name. I bid you defiance. You remain silent. You dare not launch your thunders. Who, after this, will believe in your existence? All right.
0: So the priest of Illuminism says, hey, God, if you exist, why don't you say something? Well, you're not saying nothing because you don't exist. Now watch. Same quotation. Different person. Watch how the prophet calls this man. Go ahead.
4: With blas- blasphemous, boldness, almost beyond belief, one of the priests
0: of the new order Wait. said. One of the priests of what? The new order. Well, the prophet says that this is a priest of a new order. Uriah Smith said that this is a priest of Illuminism prophet said a priest of a new order. Says the same exact words, God of you exists, avenge in your your name. I bid you to find you, remain silent. You dare not lodge your thunders. Who after this will believe in your existence? And then she gives the historical reference for that Mm. quotation. She calls him a priest of the new order. Now, if this is true, then what we're looking at, this beast that we're looking at, is going to make a clear on the word, as we're seeing already take place, but notice what else begins to take place. Read this for us, sister.
4: When the goddess was brought into the convention, the orator took her by the hand and turning to the assembly said, Mortals, cease to tremble before the powerless thunders of God whom your fears have created. Henceforth acknowledge no divinity but reason.
0: Wait, so what's the divinity? Reason? Reason is the new divinity. Man's thought. Man's thoughts, his own, supposedly his own words. But again, who would they end up worshiping? They worship the supreme being. They're, they're worshiping Satan. But go ahead. Keep reading for me, sister.
4: I offer you its noblest and purest image. If you must have idols, sacrifice only to such as this. Fall before the August sentence of freedom, O oh veil of reason.
0: O oh, veil of reason. And now this is when they bring in a woman completely naked, right? And they pull her up in the front, and they put her on top of an altar like this. And they tell everybody in the room, if you want to worship something, worship this. The goddess, after being embraced by the president, was mounted on a magnificent car, conducted amid an immense crowd to the cathedral of Notre Dame to take the place of deity. There she was elevated on a high altar and received the adoration of all present. This woman, naked, you see the worship. Of everyone there, and they call her the goddess of reason. Let's go a little further. We're gonna, we're gonna unmatch this thing so you guys can see it clearly. Um, and this is talking about the the girl that they use. Go ahead and read, uh, for To
4: this person, as the fittest representative, representative of that reason whom they worship, National Convention of France rendered public homage. The impious. Imp- impious. And ridiculous memory had a certain fashion and the installation of the goddess of reason was renewed and imitated throughout the nation.
0: All right. So not only did they do it there in the cathedral, but they did it all over the country to establish that this is our symbol of revolution, our symbol of reason. The prophet calls this when they shall finish or are finishing their testimony. The period when the two witnesses were to prophesy clothes and sackcloth ended when? As they were approaching the termination of their work in the obscurity, war was to may be made upon them by the power represented as the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit. And many of the nations of Europe, the powers that ruled in church and state, have for centuries been controlled by Satan through the medium of the papacy. But here is brought to view a new manifestation of satanic power. It's a what? new manifestation of satanic power. It had not been like this before. 1793, they said the Bible, God does not exist. They've actually passed the law saying God did not exist. And in 1797, this is all this was talking about. In 1797, they passed the law saying that God does exist. Now I want to read something else to you. Actually, actually before I read something else to you. Yes, before I read that to you, you see something. All right, yes. Go ahead and read this for us, sister.
4: On the 1st of November, 1793, Gobbet with the Republican priests of Paris had thrown off the gown and abjured religion. On the 11th, a grand festival dedicated to reason and truth was celebrated in the cathedral of Notre Dame which had been desecrated and been named the Temple of Reason.
0: The Temple of what? Now, do you know that the United Nations right now has a temple, and they call it the Temple of Understanding? You need to write it down. Go look it up. The Temple of Understanding. It is the same mindset, the same principle that led to the, quote, Temple of Reason. I want to go a little further and I'm going to stop talking about this part and get to the main crux of the matter. Now, do you know what they uh, did with that woman that was dressed, uh, that had no clothes on? They put a torch in her hand, gave her some clothes, and sent her to America. They call her the Statue of Liberty. Who sent us that? The Statue of Liberty, the Torch of Liberty, the Torch of Reason gave to America, sent to America. Now here, I just have here the 1,260 years. Right when that 1,260 years is ending is this time period here mentioned where the French Revolution was completely out of control. I want to highlight these few points before I get into the the crux of why I'm telling you this. Some of the results of the French Revolution. September 20, 1792, established divorce for any reason. You can get a divorce because they smiled at you funny. You get a that that was not the case. Catholicism did not let you get divorced. So now you can get a divorce for any reason. 15 months, there had been 5,994 divorces in Paris alone. Women were passed around like they were, you know. Or just pass around. Children were given away. They never gave away their children like what they did in the French Revolution. You're talking about people that just did not care. Hey, here's a kid. Just throw them out there. Leave them, leave them out there to you can get married one day, sleep with one woman, divorce her the next day, sleep with somebody else. That's how crazy the French Revolution was. Broken families. But another beast from the bottomless pit was to arise to make open about war upon the word of God. Alright, here we go. Remember now, Satan is seeking to leak his mind with with ours. Someone have the microphone? You can give it to one, one more person. Let them read this for us. Sure. Alright, very good. Go ahead and read this for us.
1: The mastermind in the Confederacy of evil is ever working to keep out of sight the words of God and bring into view the opinions of men.
0: Wait a second. What is he trying to do? Keep out of sight the what? The words of God and bring it to view what? Let me ask you a question. If you wanted to run a church, what's the best way to run a church? Is it the Harvard School of Business that will help run a a church the way God wants to run? No. Nope. The word of God. What about your family? How should your family run? What's the best way to figure out how to run a family? The word of God. What about your diet? What's the best way to know what to eat? The word of God. We're so smart you now. We don't need it. Read this for us. Keep reading.
1: He means that we shall not hear the voice of God saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. Isaiah 32. Uh-huh.
0: Well, notice the next part.
1: Through perverted educational processes, he is doing his utmost to obscure heaven's sake.
0: Wait a second. Now we get into to the crux of the matter. Now we're getting to the crux of the matter. Through educational processes, he is doing everything he can to hide the word from the people of God. Yes. Yes. That's it, brother. Oh, we got a young prophet in the house. The word of God is the key to all understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and in instruction. Through perverted educational processes, he is doing his utmost to obscure heaven's light. Let's move rapid pace now. Go ahead. Keep reading.
1: Another source of danger against which we should be, be constantly on guard is the reading of the
0: infidel. infidel authors. Infidel.
1: Such works are inspired by the enemy of truth, and no one can read them without imperiling the soul. Did
0: you hear that, beloved? What's what's an infidel author? It's a non-Christian, an unconverted soul, an infidel author, one that does not believe in God. If there were movies back then, do you think the prophet would erode another source of danger against which we should be constantly on guard, is the watching of videos of television programs by infidel authors. you think she would have said that? I think she would have said that. No one. How many is no one? That's zero. That's everybody. Right? No one can read or watch without imperiling their soul. Serious, right? Read the next sign, my sister.
1: It is true that some who are affected by them may finally recover, but all who tamper with their evil influence place themselves on Satan's ground, and he makes the most of his advantage. As they invite his temptations, they have not wisdom to discern or strength
0: to resist. Okay, so they have not wisdom to discern to be able to declare that this is a temptation from the enemy, and they do not have the strength. Even if they did see it, they didn't. They wouldn't have the strength because they're not connected with the source of strength. See, uh, uh, Christians in America, and let me say this nicely, we Christians in America have a problem. We are too rich. We have too many things at our disposal. We are comfortable. Therefore, we're kind of just lulled to sleep. Say again. We're laid to and We're lulled to sleep. We think we're smart enough. You know, i tell you the truth. We're some dumb people. How in the world can we as Christians watch rated R movies and expect not to be infected by what we watch? How can we watch CSI or Desperate Housewives or play video games until our eyes fall out? How can we do that and then not expect to fall when temptation comes our way? How could it be done? It's impossible. It's impossible. Yes, my friend. Quote in Proverbs. On it. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Yes, sir. <inaudible> Council of
4: Teachers,
0: 377, paragraph 1. Alright. So notice here they place themselves on Satan's ground. They cannot discern, neither do they have strength to resist. With a fascinating, bewitching. Now, remember, rebellion is as the. As the sin of what? Okay. With a fascinating, bewitching power, unbelief and infidelity fasten themselves upon the mind. When one watches or engages in those things that are not sanctified by God, you have no strength to discern, and you are bewitched when you think you're all right, you're actually all wrong. Education. Education. 227, paragraph four, even Bible study, as too often conducted in the schools, is robbing the word of the priceless treasure of the word of God. Robbing the world of the priceless treasure of the word of God. The work of higher criticism in the dissecting, conjecturing, restructuring is destroying faith in the Bible as a divine revelation. It is robbing God's word of what? Power to what? control, uplift, and inspire human lives. And I tell you, I went to one of our schools. I'm not going to tell you which one I went to. You can figure it out. But I went to one of our schools, and I sat in class where we studied writings of men that did not believe the Bible. But they were telling us how to study the Bible from these writings of men that didn't believe the Bible. How am I going to study the Bible from a man that does not know what it means to be spiritually led by the Holy Ghost? So I'm dissecting the word like it's Shakespeare. I'm dissecting the word like it's some micro physiology, biology book. It's not a book like that. It is a divine book. And it's God's words. And it's if you have these words, do you know that these words here, these words right here, these words, are God's words that He used to create the world. The same power that created the universe is in these sacred pages. But Satan's plan. Hey, let's mess with their education. Let's mess with their minds. See, I studied some of these men when I was in school. I was an education major. Rousseau, Voltaire, Diderot, Descartes, Locke, Edmund Burke, Emmanuel, Kant, Jefferson, David Hume, and Adam Smith. These are the philosophical leaders that led through the the through the, uh, the Age of Enlightenment. And uh, and and these teachings that affected the French Revolution. Now watch. Now these are, uh, are some of the events: uh, Karl Marx, the this manifest, Charles Darwin. All these men were affected by the teachings of the French Revolution. Now I want someone to read this. You have it? You still have the microphone? Please read this. Read it slowly. But before you read it, please tell me where it's coming from. Where is it coming from? Encyclopedia Britannica, thirteenth edition. All right. So therefore, Andre did not go to a conspiracy theory. Conspiratory library to find this information, which to a reputable historical book. All right? Go ahead and read this for us.
1: A short lived moment founded movement. as a secret society in 1776 in Bavaria by Adam Wishout, professor of canon law at the University of Ingodstadt and a former Jesuit.
0: Wait, okay. So the encyclopedia says that the Illuminati was a short lived movement, although that's not completely true. Founded as a secret society in 1776 in Bavaria by Adam Westhoff, professor of canon law at the University of Ingolstadt and a former what? All right, go ahead, read for us. Its aim was
1: to replace Christianity by a religion of reason.
0: Stop! Did you get that? Did you get it? No, I just went through the whole history. We went through historical sources and I showed you that they said, hey, this is your God, the Goddess of Reason. So this is the fruits of the Illuminati's work, friend. Oh, you're not listening? Listen. It's the fruit of their work from their own, from a historical source that I didn't make up, not a conspiracy theory. It's from a reputable source. It was banned by the Barabian government in 1785. Again, Adam Westhock formed the Locati on May first, 1, 1776. The main goal was to replace Christianity with a religion of reason. That's it. The French Revolution was a revolution created by thought first, manifested in financial disaster later, To create a new order according to what our prophet calls that priest. She calls him a priest of a new order. You have your Bible. You have your Bible? Please open to Revelation chapter 17. I'm going to show you something, friends. I'm going to show you something. Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17, and we're going to begin at verse 8. Revelation 17 and beginning at verse 8. Watch what the Bible says here, friends. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend where? Where is it sending out of? What's that word? What's the Greek word for a fatherless pit? Abusos. So it's arising out of disorder. Now we saw this in Revelation chapter what? 11. Now we see it in Revelation chapter 17. Revelation 17 is the culmination of apostasy throughout the ages. And we see Revelation 17, a beast coming out of the bottomless pit. Notice what else it says. And going to perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now let's go a little further. Go back up. Go back up to verse 3. Verse 3 says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Okay, here. I want you to see what I see. In Revelation chapter 11, I see a beast coming out of the pit, but there is no one riding that beast. You follow me? But in Revelation 17, I see a beast coming out of a pit, but this time there's something different. The woman now rides this beast. The woman is in complete control of this beast, where in Revelation chapter 11, this beast was persecuting Catholics before. But this time, this beast is controlled by the woman. Watch, watch what I, watch. And and when I saw it, I said, oh. Watch what this says, watch this. I'm gonna show it to you. It seems comical, but I show it to the churches because people in this room watch television. So I want you to see what Satan says about television he's gonna tell you himself okay he's gonna tell you
6: hello earth I'm Alec Baldwin TV star you know they say TV will rot your brain that's absurd TV only softens the brain like a ripe banana to take it all the way we've created Hulu Hulu beams TV directly to your portable computing devices giving you more of the cerebral gelatinizing shows you want anytime, anywhere, for free. I only act out because I want you (laughs) alone. love. on my Mushy mush. And the best part is there's nothing you can do to stop it. I mean, what are you going to do, turn off your TV and your computer? (laughs) Once your brains are reduced to a cottage cheese like mush, we'll scoop them out with a melon baller and gobble them right on up. Oops. I think I'm drooling a little, because we're aliens, and that's how we roll. Hulu, an evil plot to destroy the world. Enjoy. Y'all see
0: that? You think you think Jesus made that commercial? I don't think Jesus made that commercial. So if Jesus didn't make that commercial, who made it? So Satan said to you, what are you going to do? You want to turn off your TV and your computer? You're not going to get away from me. I'm going to turn your brain into mush, and then I'm going to take over the world. That's what he said. Didn't he just say that? That's what he just said. He just said it straight to your face. Watch TV so I can turn it into mush, and then we're going to take over the world. And we're aliens. What's an alien? Someone that is not of this world. Is that right? Is Lucifer from this world? No, he's an alien. He's a visitor. He said, I'm going to take over this world, and I'm going to turn your brain to mush. You can't do nothing about it. You're going to turn your TV and your computer off? Watch some of the biggest men in the United States in the field of commerce and manufacture are afraid of something. They know that there's a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. Who's this? Well is he a conspiracy guy? This is in his book page uh, page 24. 1961, Freedom. there's some type of organization that he's afraid of. I wonder what that could be. Who's that? Winston Churchill, all right? Is he a conspiracy theory man? Nope, he's just, he's just a prime minister of England, all right? From the days of Spartacus Westhop. Now, Spartacus Westhop is the same as Adam Westhop. The, to those of Karl Marx, to those of Trotsky Bellacoon, Rosen Luxemburg, and Emma Goldman, this worldwide conspiracy has been steadily growing. The conspiracy played a definite, recognizable role in the what? What, what did he say it played a recognizable role in? French Revolution. This is a non-Christian, non-Bible scholar, telling us that this took place in the French Revolution. It has been the mainspring of every submersive movement during the 19th century and now at last this band of extraordinary personalities from the underworld of the great cities of Europe and America have gripped the heads, uh, gripped the Russian people by the hair of their heads and 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 become practically the undisputed masters of that enormous empire. This is Winston Churchill saying that this group Played a recognizable role in the French Revolution. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about the Illuminati anymore. I'm not telling you to look for them in these last moments of the history. issue. I'm telling you to look for something else. Watch what the prophetess says. Someone read that for me. Read that for me.
1: At the same time, Anarchy is seeking to sweep away all law, not only divine but human. The centralizing of wealth and power, the vast combinations for the enriching of the few at the expense of the many the combinations of the poorer classes for the defense of their interests and claims, the spirit of unrest, of riot and bloodshed, the worldwide dissemination of the same teaching that led to the French Revolution, all are tending to involve the whole world in a struggle similar to that which, which convulsed France. Did you
0: hear that? Did you hear that? So well, I'm not looking for a group of people. I'm looking for a teacher. I'm looking for the same teaching. And she says that this same teaching led to the French Revolution. All are tending to involve how much of the world? The whole world. So the French Revolution was an isolated group of people in a certain country. But now she says what happened in France will take place worldwide. Worldwide. I wonder. And I want you to think with me for a few more moments. I wonder. When did the intensity of centralizing of wealth and power begin? When did the intensity of it begin? Because it's always been a, a centralizing of wealth and power. Put it was on up here. It intensified in 2008. When all those companies started going bankrupt, you know money is never destroyed. It's only transferred. Somebody got rich while banks were going bankrupt. Can you explain to me how can a bank go bankrupt, but the CEO still makes a $100 million? Can you explain that to me? Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make any sense. How are you bankrupt and still make a $100 million? Doesn't make any sense at all. So the intensifying of the centralizing of wealth and power, the enriching of the few at the expense of the many, now watch. When do we now see the combination of the lower classes to defend their interests? Well, that's that's now. That second half of that paragraph is happening right now. Right now. Unions are becoming all that much stronger. Do you know how Gaddafi, was it Gaddafi? Who was the first one Um, in Egypt? What was his name? Um, Mubarak, do you realize that the revolution was going on for weeks and weeks and weeks? Mubarak wasn't budging. It wasn't until the unions in Egypt band together that the next day Mubarak stepped down. Did you guys know that? The unions. When they got together, they said, Mubarak, we don't want you. He stepped down right after the union and said, get out of here. Eleven, I'm, I know I'm talking a long time, but I need you to think In India, Russia, China, and the cities of America, thousands of men and women are dying of starvation. The moneyed men, because they have power, control the markets. They purchase at low rates all they can obtain and then sell at great increased prices. This means starvation to the poorer classes and will result what? You hear that? This results in a civil war. This results with rioting in the streets. Notice what Job 2.4 says, And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for sin, all that a man hath will he give for his life. You go do a study in the scripture. Bread and life are directly connected with each other. Bread and life go with each other. So essentially Satan's saying, look, skin for sin. If you take a man's bread, he will give anything. You will do anything. That's why the market of beast. You will not be able to buy or sell. What is it? Why do you need to buy or sell? What is that good for? So you can live. You need food. So you won't be able to buy or sell. He's going to get at the fruit of it. I noticed at my school, I noticed everything centers around food. Everything. Everything. We don't go to work unless we have our lunch. If If breakfast is late, class will be late. We don't budge unless we get our food. And beloved, this world is about to go through such a major crisis. I'm, I'm just wondering, are you really preparing for what is about to break upon this world? Notice, world moves closer to what? Food price shock. January 12, 2011. Okay? Thousands protest against high food prices in Delhi. You see history repeating itself? I'm just showing you. Asia, Asian states feel rice pinch. Asian countries have been struggling to cope as the cost of rice has reached record levels. Greek protests descend into chaos as rioters clash with police on streets of Athens. And this, again, is talking about the food price. In Chicago, the price of soybeans rose as much as 5.2%, at $14.20.5 a a bushel, the highest since 2008. The corn prices jumped 5% to $6.37 a bushel, the highest level since July 2008. Food prices are increasing. Okay? Bigger problem, job crisis or rising global food prices? Which one's the bigger problem? Food prices. Let's say you have a job, you make $8 an hour, but your loaf of bread costs $8. Your gas tank is $5 a gallon. Well, so it doesn't matter if you have a job because you can't afford anything anyway. Food prices increase from global warming study. Food prices will have grave consequences, says Hillary Clinton. I'm gonna pass that. You guys seen these pictures? You seen them before? Puerto Rico, they're rioting because tuition costs are going too high. You, you heard about the Democrats that escaped from Wisconsin because of the, uh, the the vote they were about to have. Remember that that little that little fiasco there? Wisconsin protesters boy by delay of anti anti union bill. The bill was about unions. This is over there in um, Bahrain. This is where the protesters were. And then the night, the night before, the soldiers came through and ransacked everybody. They beat up everybody. The young people. Revolutions are started by young people. You guys know that, right? Young people start revolutions. All these countries. You know what we call the 1040 window? This whole area is in revolution right now. The whole thing. Spain protests rocks nation, tens of thousands fill the cities over joblessness. Do you guys see do you see do you see what I see? We're seeing France repeat, but the prophet says it will be worldwide and we're watching it happen worldwide right now. And it's only the beginning. by some of these Egypt inspired Egypt inspired protesters, battle police in Bahrain, Yemen and Iran. Obama orders military to prepare for spring food riots. The fears of the French government over growing global instability has realized this past week after food riots erupted in Algeria and Tunisia and left over 50 dead. So dire has the situation become in Tunisia that their government this morning rushed in massive amount of troops and takes. Global wheat stocks fell to 175.2 million tons from 196.7 million tons a year ago. And it keeps going and going. It talks about the, the disasters in China that make the food prices go up. The disaster in India, the record heat waves in India, the re- the record heat waves in Russia, again, causing the wheat crop to go up. France's disaster, it lowered their wheat crop forecast to 2.7% this year. Canada, record-setting drought affected their main grain-producing provinces in the western part of the nation. In the Ukraine, fire, caused the halting of the export of grains. It just keeps going. Australia's disaster, the flood that took over that whole thing, destroyed a lot of their, their, their farmland. Pakistan. The flood in Pakistan. You guys remember the flood in Pakistan? That was last year. What is this man holding in his hand? Bread. Prince of Revolution. The main thing was bread, beloved. I mean, are they doing this on purpose? Are they putting up these pictures on purpose to make us think? And they call it Arabs looking to Tunisia, Tunisia revolution. Okay? How many understand what I'm saying? I feel like I'm just talking, just talking, just talking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? The same thing that happened in France is happening globally and it's going to intensify and make its way to America. I'm I'm saying, look, 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 and now if you see, like Noah, you should be building an ark. You should be preparing for what is about to happen to the world with an overwhelming surprise. You should be getting ready to go home.
5: Well right now they're not uh, it's not functioning as a country because there are tens of thousands of people on strike as you can see from behind me this is actually the majority of these people are from the Palme left wing uh, union and they've been uh, chanting and booing at the parliament and telling the parliamentarians to come out and to face them. Inside the Parliament Building right now, the Parliamentary Economic Committee is actually reviewing the austerity package and is due to be debated tomorrow, so these people are demanding that the parliamentarians come out and face them and they are chanting things like, wealth belongs to the worker, not to the parasitic capitalists. Did you
0: hear that? What are they chanting? Wealth belongs to who? The worker. This is just like the French Revolution. So it's just not super violent yet. Wealth belongs to the worker. They're telling their government. Remember, I showed you the, the little guy at the beginning. The people will demand their government's changes, which they had not heretofore had. A year before, the people's minds are now linked with Satan's mind. Remember, the French Revolution was designed purposely by the Illuminati to, to create a new order. So it moved the people, created chaos, then created synthesis so there could be a new order. And here you see a chaos being created, so a synthesis could be created, but this time the papal power will have control of this new order.